church in rural Minnesota. Small church. It's Sunday morning. It's full of people. It's about halfway through the service. And suddenly in the front of the church, there's a big ball of fire and a puff of smoke. And when the smoke clears, there stands Satan. The people panic, run out the back of the church, pastor out this emergency door, the choir out this emergency door over here. In a couple minutes, the entire church is empty except for one old man sitting down in the front. Now Satan is arrogant says to himself, he must not know who I am. So he turns and looks at him and he says, do you know who I am? And the old man looks up at him and says, yep, and you're not afraid of me? The old man says, nope. Now Satan, of course, he just can't figure this out and he has to know why. He said, if you know who I am, why aren't you afraid of me? And he says, why should I be afraid of you? I've been married to your sister for 52 years. (laughs) Now normally we don't start out with jokes opening up a message at Sojourner's Church. So I just wanted to clarify a lot type of thing as well. So, and as I think about it, I also have to say, you know, Don, I wasn't talking right to you on that one, okay? <laughs> just all in good humor. But my monologue is getting carried away, so I think it's a really good time to pray. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, gracious God, I thank you for the creation of humor and the joy it brings as we laugh with families in our church and our families. It is just a glimmer or a small taste of the joy that we have with you. Though my opening monologue here this morning is humorous, the topic today is not. My words now are serious because your words are very serious. Your warnings are stern and numerous. And I pray that anyone hearing my voice, that you open their hearts and minds to the truth of your words. We just praise and thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So one thing that is for certain, we know that evil exists in the world. What causes a man to buy a gun and go out and shoot random people? We just had a little incident like that just a few months ago, didn't we? In fact, we couldn't have church service that day because the parking lot was full of SWAT teams. What inspires young Muslim men to spend years of their lives learning how to fly and on a command hijack jumbo jets and crash them into giant skyscrapers, killing themselves and thousands of others? What indwells a young German corporal in World War I with such hatred to rise to power and systematically kill six million Jews? We could go on with examples like this seemingly indefinitely, couldn't we? It is important to study this topic, not only to be clear on the source of evil, but to understand the seriousness of Satan and that he is not a joke, as our worldly culture claims, or as my monologue implied, because he is our enemy. And more recently, we do not want to, and more importantly, we do not want to ignore Satan or fall prey to his subtle deceptions or schemes of Satan today, even as he was successful in deceiving Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan is endeavoring to destroy your testimony, to sidetrack you, to derail you from serving Christ in any capacity and in any way effective. As Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Before we dive into the text this morning, 
We will look at various names or titles for Satan because they reveal his true character, which I think is really necessary in understanding what our text today is pointing out. So here are some examples. He's called Satan. He is called Satan over 50 times in the scripture. The word means adversary. He is God's adversary, therefore he's our adversary. He is always hostile to God and God's children. Satan is the ultimate enemy. And the Bible never underestimates his power. And the Bible never mistakes his intentions. He is always promoting filth, vice, and sin. He's called the devil. The name is used over 30 times in the New Testament. It is derived from the Greek word diabolos, which means one who slanders or trips up. He aims to maliciously slander God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Church, the Bible, true doctrine, and the character of every Christian in any lying way he can. Church, be watchful as this reveals itself in our culture today. In the days, weeks, months, and years to come in in a nation that is already infested with Satan's influences. Christians in military terms, we are now no longer holding the high ground in America. 1 John 5.19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And since Satan controls the evil world system, the world does not tend to have much regard for Christians. In Tyler's message, 2 Timothy 3, when he was referencing persecution, he said, In a world who hates the truth, those who love the truth will be hated. He is called a serpent. In our sermon text today, in Genesis 3.1, Satan is disguised as a serpent. In Revelations 12.9, And that great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. He's called a roaring lion in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. First of all, take notice. Peter warns us to be sober-minded and watchful. In other words, self-controlled, alert, or awake. This should be fresh in our minds from our studies from Timothy and Titus. Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It is no surprise that the instructions in Titus 2 are the exact opposite of the world around us. We are surrounded by drunkenness, carelessness, perversion. Our culture is utterly consumed by it. Peter clearly identifies who our adversary is. Your adversary, the devil. Notice that Satan is prowling. Defining that is to move or wander about quietly or in search of prey, actively seeking or hunting. As the text describes him, like a lion, a fierce predator. We see a similar reference to wandering and moving. In Job, the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. Let me ask the question. Would you get in the cage with the hungry lion? Considering this analogy, why would you consider Satan's lies? And finally, seeking someone to devour, which is completely destroy 
Ever watch a lion eat as they rip and tear into flesh? His goal is to destroy your life, your marriage, your family, or anything you can. He's also called the evil one, as Jesus prays for his disciples in John seventeen fifteen. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Satan also disguises himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, Paul warns of false prophets. For such men are false prophets, deceitful workmen disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. A verse like this should put a real, should be a real eye opener for us and put chills up and down our spine. How do you think false doctrine starts in a church where nations and kingdoms fall? He's also called a thief. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He is called the destroyer. Revelations 9.11, he his name in Hebrew is Abodon, and in Greek it is Apollyon. Both names to refer to him as destroyer or destruction. Satan actively seeks to destroy God's original design any way he can, and he attempts to destroy people through physical death or spiritual death as well. He actively works to destroy God's word or distort it. Why? Because scripture reveals his true character. That is why I'm referencing so many verses today. Whenever God finished each day of creation, he said, it was good. And when, on the sixth day of creation, he said, and God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Here's a prime example of Satan's attempt to destroy God's word, the theory of evolution. This is why I'm such a devout creationist. If you overturn and destroy the story of God's creation in Genesis... It, in turn, unravels the entirety of Scripture. And there's no better example than what the theory of evolution has done. This bizarre theory has misled millions of people from the truth and sadly influenced people within the church as well. This is just a quick sample. If you look at the order of creation, very basic and probably a little small for you, but there's a lot more than this, actually. Um, earth before sun, sea before dry land, sea, for, sea before atmosphere, etc. But the order of, of evolution is the exact opposite in every category. Do you think that's a coincidence or a new discovery? Think about it. The scientific community that supports this are devout atheists. Here's another very pertinent example of our present-day culture. Satan attacks the gender roles created by God. The roles of men and women in marriage, parenting, and even roles of men and women in the church. We have witnessed an almost complete upheaval and reversal of this in all fronts in our current culture. Now we have the gender identity movement. And it seems like I learn something new every day. So as I looked into this, I found out that there are 58 different gender identities on Facebook and 71 on Facebook UK. I found another web website that said 64 and another one, 63. I quit my research at this point because I was getting a bit confused. So here's the deal. I'm a baby boomer, which makes me an old guy, I guess. So I'm really challenged by this. And you see, when I grew up, 
There were he's and there were she's. And they got together and created little he's and she's. And that cycle created itself, continued itself for about the last 6,000 years. This is yet another attempt by Satan through cultural, social construct to overturn or destroy God's very good design in creation. And whenever I get confused, I always turn to God's word. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He's called the tempter. Matthew 4, Mark 1, Luke 4 details Satan's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. They identify Satan as the tempter. Satan entices men and women to evil. We will come back to this shortly. He's also called the accuser. Job 1 and 2, Satan accused Job of having a conditional faith. Here's another very fitting name for him. He's called a liar. After one of Jesus' confrontations with the Jews, he said, You are the father of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Could one verse be any clearer? Again, contrasting this to my opening monologue, the world looks on him as a humor or a joke. Nothing could be farther from the truth. You've probably heard the old saying, how do you know when Satan is lying? Answer, his lips are moving. Why? Because there is no truth in him. In my opinion, this phrase could be used for most of our present-day politicians as well. Based on policies, platforms, and actions, you can easily tell who their father is as well as they follow the desires of their father. Satan has many other names, too many to cover here today, but the point is his names and titles give us the understanding of his true character. So let's look at the sermon text and Satan's role in the fall. And I've added my commentary to this in blue. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. Now, if you want to work at the key word there is crafty, which means clever at achieving one's aims by indirect or deceitful methods. He said to the woman, did God actually say? He immediately questions God's words, doesn't he? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She attempts to correct Satan's slandering of God's word here, but misquotes Genesis 2.16 and 17. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but... Of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you will eat of it and you will surely die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, Satan is implying that God is withholding a blessing from her that she ought to have. So the woman saw the the tree was good for food, And it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Eve then turned from the consideration of God's word and follows her senses and is deceived by Satan. She took of its fruit and ate. She found sufficient justification for eating the fruit, even resulting in disobedience to God. 
And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. At that point, he failed to exercise his godly leadership. And then both of their eyes, their eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig trees together and made themselves loincloths, because they felt shame. And in the cool of the sound, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. Their innocence now had been replaced by guilt and shame and wanted to hide their sin from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? This This was not God's ignorance of the vocation, but a way of bringing man to explain why he was hiding. To paraphrase Psalm 139, there is no place to hide from sin. There never is. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave to me, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Key point to take from all of this is Satan creates doubt or opposes trustworthy authority of the word of God. And why is that? Because God's word is truth and exposes him for the liar that he is. Here's just a very quick illustration of what took place. So if you look at in God's order of the original creation that was very good, you have God as the ultimate authority. Adam was the subordinate authority. Eve was to submit to Adam, her husband, And Adam and Eve were to have dominion over the animals of the earth. That was the creation. That was the very good. Now, in the fall, Satan, through lies and deception, overturns the natural order established by God in creation. Watch how it turns out. The woman submits to an animal. The man fails in leadership and submits to his wife. And both of them blame someone else for their behavior. Now let's look at a different but similar event. Satan's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And there's a couple points that we'll talk about in this. The first point is the similarity of Satan's tactics with his temptations of Jesus and his temptations of Eve in the garden. Now watch again how this all fits together. Start watching through this. Again, my comments are in blue. Matthew 4. Very first word, then. The word then implies something happened before this. This is right after Jesus' baptism and the start of his earthly ministry. And if you remember, you I'll keep going here. Jesus was led up to the spirit up Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by, by the devil. And after fasting for forty days and forty nights he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, okay. Referencing back then to Matthew, remember the voice from heaven, the fa- God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The tempter here is pointing at that fact, if you are the Son of God. Command these stones to become loaves of bread, as he was fasting and was very hungry. 
But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, again, Satan calls him out on who he is. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. What Satan does here is he misquotes Psalm 91. He twists the meaning of employing a passage about trusting God to justifying testing him. Psalm 91 is actually, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So Satan misquoted scripture there. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I give you if you but fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came, and they were ministering to him. Let's do a very quick comparison now of Eve's temptation and Jesus' temptation. So of the three parts, first of all, the appeal to the physical. You may eat of any tree was tempted of Eve. To Jesus it was you may eat by changing the stone to bread. There was appeal to personal gain. For her it was delight to the eyes. For Jesus, you will not hurt your foot. Appeal to power and glory. You will be like God was tempted to Eve. To Jesus, you will have the kingdoms of the world. Now let's, now let's look at Satan's predictable pattern of temptation as it applies to us today. And in the same three categories as though that we were in the garden. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed not to put any temptation you will ever have or have ever had or will ever have into one of these three categories. I'm going to jump to 1 John 2. 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love here signifies affection and devotion. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, there's the physical, the desires of the eyes, that's the personal gain, and the pride of life, possessions and boasting of what one has or does or power or glory, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And as we know, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And 17. And the world is passing away, just a momentary pleasure, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the answer to victory over wilderness. Now this is what I want to show you, the comparison. Go back to Genesis 3. So when woman saw that the tree was good for food, there's the physical connection. And it was a delight to the eye, a personal gain. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, the appeal to power. Satan's basic method of tempting us is to offer us worldly temptations and put doubt in us about God's word. Why is that? God's truth, God's word is truth, and with Satan, as Jesus said, there is no truth in him. Just look at the world around us. God's word exposes him as a liar as he is. Do you see the pattern here of deceptions by Satan, Eve in the garden, Jesus in the wilderness? 
us today. Now, point number two, this is what I want you really want to take out of all of this. Let's go back to Matthew 4 and look at that again and see what Jesus' response is. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the, by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now watch Jesus' response. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He quotes God's word. Again, the devil then took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, You are the Son of God. Throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Again, Satan misquotes, 91, deception. God said to him, or Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. The key here, Jesus gave us a living example on how to respond to lies and temptations of Satan. What Jesus does is he identifies the lie and replaces it with the truth. I'll say that again. What Jesus does is he identifies the lie and replaces it with the truth. The truth as we have it in his holy word. We need to follow this exact example today in our everyday lives. We need to identify the lies and replace it with the truth. So as we wrap up and do a conclusion here, since our enemy is a spiritual enemy, some might wonder how we go about knowing how to fight him. Thad will be giving us more insight about that next week. But to help a little bit with an illustration here, I found this story from World War II concerning General George Patton and his troops and tanks were engaged in a successful counterattack of German forces of General General Rommel. Patton is reported to have shouted in the thick of battle, I read your book, Rommel. I read your book. He had read Rommel's book of infantry, infantry tactics that carefully detailed his military strategy. And Patton, having read it, knew what to expect and planned his moves accordingly. Satan has authored no book. But God has exposed our enemy tactics in his holy word. In fact, the New Testament, Satan is mentioned on average almost once per chapter. And that's not counting the word evil, which is about 560 times. And demons, another 90. You think God isn't trying to warn us? Like road signs, the DOT puts up, dangerous curve, deer crossing, or speed limits. Study it, plan your defense. The key to defeating Satan's... Satan's temptations and sin is understanding how Satan works. And the secret to that is reading about him in the Word of God. The study of Satan is wide and a full revelation in Scripture because for us, understanding it is essential to the redemptive purposes of God, to the sustaining the glory of God and the holiness of God, and never blaming God as a source of evil. It is also important not not only to be clear on the source of evil, but to understand Satan, because he is our enemy. 
Church, our society now is encompassed by lies and deceptions of Satan. You can look around on every front and see lie and deception, lie and deception. I challenge you to look for them and identify them. Now more than ever is a time for believers to get knowledge, indwelling in the Holy Spirit, get in the Word, not only to prevent from being deceived, but to live up to our calling, to share truth with the unbelievers. And you can't do that if you're under the spell of deception. With them, identify the lie and replace it with the truth. So with that, James 4, 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's pray. Father, we submit ourselves now to you. We ask for wisdom to identify Satan's deceptions and lies, to be able to replace them with the truth by saying, for it is written, not only for us, but for the people we come in contact with every day, to share the truth with them, Lord, as you have revealed it to us. Father, I just pray for the Mikeans as well as they're traveling. I just ask for a safe journey home for them as well. Father, we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.